1: What's up Grizz Nation, the Sports Ethos Grizzly Podcast is back. Full force, nobody is on the IR, somebody is uh, with is day-to-day with, with, a, <laughs> with a leg injury, but she's toughing it out, she's here with us tonight. This is the first time since, I, I feel like, January of last year that we've all been together and, and what a night to come back, full force a fantastic game. Steven Adams tips it in, the, the the game winner, and then Dylan Brooks with So I thought that the block that Jaron made on Garland when he was trying to get to the rim. I'm like, okay, that's that's the play of the game. And then Dylan seals the game with the block. It's this was just great basketball. Two good teams. Jaron got into foul trouble. I was wondering how much that would affect his ability to be impactful on the defensive end at the end of the game, and he done well. He played the last four minutes of the game, and he was not just a shell of himself. He was playing high-impact defensive basketball, and that's what you need from him. Grizzlies improved 31-13, and 13, tied for the second-best record in basketball and tied with the Nuggets atop the NBA Western Conference. Are they winning the championship this year? And I'll let you guys choose who goes first. I don't even care. Are
0: we, are we going to answer the question, are they winning the championship? <laughs>
1: Whatever you want to do. It's been so long since we've been together, I don't even care what you guys say. I'm just happy to be back together.
0: Hey, we they back? heard from me. Isaac, you go first.
2: Um, yeah, man, I, I think I tweeted out earlier today, I think this game kind of played out exactly how I thought it would. Uh, the Grizzlies won 11 in a row, franchise tie tying, got a chance to break that record on Friday. In L.A., Uh, but I was excited about this game because not to take anything away from the other ten victories that they've gotten this winning streak, but I felt like coming into this game, even without Donovan Mitchell, I felt like this Cleveland Cavaliers team would probably give them more of a challenge than they've had in a while. Um, And I think we saw exactly that. I mean, even without Donovan Mitchell, this team has Darius Garland. Let me talk about Darius Garland, man. I I don't think a lot of people give him the credit that he deserves. I mean, Darius Garland is – tremendous I mean it, it, you can't it's almost impossible to stay in front of that guy I mean he's so shifty the way way he plays man he's a tremendous player and I don't think around the league people give him probably the, the his just due uh because I mean he's a really fantastic player you still have that tremendous front court with Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen uh which not a lot of teams can kind of match the Grizzlies inside what kind of the size they have Cleveland is one of those teams that has the personnel to get on problems there and I think we saw that tonight uh super close game cleveland is lasting nba and pace and i knew that would kind of be a challenge for the grizzlies because the grizzlies like to get up and down uh cleveland wants to slow you down and then execute out of the half court and they forced the grizzlies to do that tonight and we saw uh times where the grizzlies struggled to score um and i figured that would kind of be the case but i figured like they needed that uh a game came down to the wire a playoff game because when you get in the playoffs, you when know, we kind of saw that last year especially in the minnesota series it's going to be hard to to get up and down it that much. You know, the game flows down. Cleveland is a playoff-style basketball team. That's the way they play, and that's a lot of what you're going to see in a regular season. Uh, so to see them being able to come out with a victory tonight was big. Uh, you talk about late in the game, the block by Jeremy was big. Um, you get, the, I think, the epitome of Grizzlies basketball. At the end of the game, you get a drive to the basket by Ja. Misses the offensive rebound put back up by Steven Adams. Then you get the big defensive play by Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies. Win 115-114, man, just a tremendous victory. And I think you need it because I think they've been running away with a lot of these games as of late, and they haven't really had to execute out of the half court and play a close game down the stretch. And they had to do that tonight, and they were able to win it. And I think that's big for them going forward. I just think it was they needed that because, again, all these blowouts, that's, that's great. But, again, you're not going to win, especially in the playoffs, you're not going to blow out teams on a normal basis. So uh, this is the type of basketball that you got to play to win games, and they were able to do that tonight.
0: Yeah, free throws. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> they they, they were well decent.
2: decent. Seventy-two percent. I know David probably was it up a little bit higher than that, but that's
0: that's good for them. Uh, yeah, so it is good, it's, it's good for improved. them. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But but no, this game was really won by defense. It really was. It. There were a lot of areas with which the, the Grizzlies just flat out just should have lost. They got beat in field goal percentage. They only had forty five percent to the the Cleveland Cavaliers fifty one percent. They got out. They uh they the Cavaliers were able to outshoot them from three. They shooting forty five percent to the Grizz is thirty two percent. Uh, the only thing they did went in was the free throw attempts. Uh, it looks like they got out rebounded, which if I'm reading that right, that that never happens. Forty seven to forty two, but that's what happened tonight. And yet the Grizz were able to hunker down, like Isaac said, execute. At the important moments, and it was defensively where it ultimately ended up winning the game. That Jaron block was big, and then Dylan sealed the game with his block. Uh, Just a tremendous effort, um, especially down the stretch. Just to pull it out. I mean, every game is not going to be pretty. Can't win every game by 20. Like Isaac said, I think this was the best thing for the Grizzlies. They needed a game like this. They need more games like this, and they will get that as, as they continue to go down the stretch. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. But uh, just a lot a lot to be excited about from this game, man. You got the backcourt looking strong with uh, Ja Morant, uh, 24 points. There's a bane 25 points. And you got an absolute show from Santi Aldama. Let me just eat my crow. On Sati Adama, because he is my guy, has got pizzazz, he's got swag, and he he basically (laughs) was the biggest big
1: man to ever don the uniform. Just so (laughs) y'all know. uh,
2: Blasphemy, man. Yeah, that's that's Cap. I I love love Sunday, but that's that's Big Cap right there, man. Big Cap. Maybe
1: by the end of of it. But shout out to Sunday, though. I want to go back to something. We're going to weave in and out of tonight's game. Obviously, it was fantastic basketball. We love to see close games like this and then to see them close it out the way that they did makes it even more exciting but i feel like even even in this win streak they've had some very interesting struggles i will say closing games that they will be up on teams like beating the brakes off of them and then the next thing you know you look up and the teams within single digits of them is that something that is concerning to either one of you guys? Do you see that, or or is that something I'm just making up in my head? Because I I know specifically you go back to the two games, the back to back at home against the Spurs. They got out to a big lead on them, and the Spurs are a bad team this year. You, you know, Popovich is fantastic. We gas him up anytime that we talk about the Spurs, but they they got out the big leads on the Spurs. And the Spurs were able to whittle it back down in both games.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that also that game on the road in against Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the same thing. Is that a big game? I think you know, I'm looking at it right now. They outscored them by 20 in the second quarter and then went on to lose the third and fourth quarter. They had to really kind of fight to, to finish that one off. Uh, I mean, I mean it, it can be a concern. I think we kind of talked about this off the air, uh, kind of during the games. I know you talk about those two Spurs games. I think sometimes. In, in those games like that, when you're playing bad teams, I think they frankly just get bored. Um, I, and I know that's not a good habit to have, but especially when you look at this, that first bird's game, I mean, you're missing Keldon Johnson, no Devin Vassell. You're looking across at Trey Jones and Yaka Perno being your your two biggest competitors in that game. You're thinking, oh, man, we can just kind of take a night off, stuff through this, but we're going to win anyway. And those teams, you kind of build this big lead and you kind of get complacent and you see those teams come back. I mean, they, they, they did win all the games, so you don't want to get on them too hard uh, for, for what you saw in those games, but it, it's definitely not a habit that you want to want to get into. Uh, when, when you get up big on teams, you want to put your foot on the gas and put them away. I um, mean, we have seen like you said a couple of times during this win streak where they've been in that position and they have kind of had to fight to pull these games out. Uh, got a little bit too, too close for comfort there at the end, uh, but we haven't seen it a lot, but a lot of times, especially when they play teams, I, I've noticed that when they play teams that are already bad and then they're missing some players as well, they, they have lost some. Like we saw that game up in o- OKC where they were missing players and I think they took that game lightly and they kind of got punched in the mouth and they were never able to, to respond in that. So I think when, when, anytime you play, especially bad teams, you usually when they play really good teams, they get up for those games. It's usually when they're playing those bad teams that you kind of see some of those, that, that kind of stuff creep in. I, I just think it's a lack of focus uh, when you're playing those kind of teams. But I think as a coach, you have to keep your team mentally focused uh, when you get those big leads against bad teams. I'm not super concerned about it, but if if it continues every time, like every time they play one of those teams, that's not what you want to see. So we'll see how that plays out as the season goes on. But they they did win the game, so uh, they're like the last three to two against San Antonio and one against Orlando, so I don't want to harp on them about it too bad.
0: I would say I'm not concerned about the symptom because I agree with a lot of Isaac says, some of it especially on the offensive end is just lack of folk. I just think they start trying stuff that, that uh you know they just start trying different things and kind of playing around but but I will say one of the root causes that I think and, and the main reason why these gaps get eliminated particularly so quickly sometimes is because they struggle to at times defend the three um we talked about this a little bit with David but I, I think that some just, somebody just gets hot in every game. I mean, Spurs lights out from three, right? Orlando, I can't remember. Uh, Bancho, I think Banchero. That's does that who got hot? Somebody got hot from three in that Orlando game too. I can't remember. You I think about somebody got hot from three. But anyway, it, it's always just you know a lot of three point a three point barrage, pretty much. It's- and then they got to hunker down on defense, and they generally do hunker down on defense and get it right, which is a good sign. But it just concerns me because that was something that was a problem last year it continues to be a problem at times this year, but those teams weren't talented enough to make the Grizzlies pay for it. Um, Even, even in Cavaliers game, they went on a 20 and 0 run and it still ended up, you know, being down uh, going into the fourth quarter. So it's because of the three point line. And just sometimes I'm not sure it's always just boredom on that. When it comes to defending the three, I think sometimes it's just the scheme slash execution, uh, but they did pull out the win. So, It's something that I'm concerned about moving forward. But I will say this in terms of, to Isaac's point, about them playing tougher teams and being forced to execute. One thing that I liked from the very beginning of the preseason, looking at the Grizzlies schedule, was that they got a tough stretch. They got a tough March and April. They're going to be playing a lot of playoff basketball before they get to the playoffs. And I think that's better than last year, where they had kind of a cupcake schedule. And we thought maybe it would be good for the team to kind of have their rest. But I think they needed that sharpness. Going, I think they'll need that sharpness going into the playoffs to be playing that type of basketball already. Um, it would be a more it would be a better advantage to them than maybe it was last year.
2: A quick point to add to to what Candace said about the, the struggles from three point in, in in those games. Anytime when you have a team like that that gets down double digits, that's what they're going to do late in the game. They're just going to start mm-hmm. bombing away from three. Um, yep. and as we've seen that that is if you're going to talk about a weakness of this. Grizzly's team perimeter defense all year. i mean, even going back to last season. That's kind of been an Achilles heel of this team, and I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses. And and one of the things I think I think they need more shooting uh, still. And I mm-hmm. think perimeter defense are kind of the areas that if you're gonna make a move at the deadline, I think those are kind of the two things that you should be looking at because uh, I think that helps you in the half court. You look at the Grizzlies numbers; they're all great except basically the half court numbers. That's where they need to be improving. But again, I think. That's what you see in those games. Those teams start bumming away from three in the Grizzlies struggle guarding the perimeter and they start knocking those shots down. I think it was Terrence Ross looking at the numbers. Ah, they yep, kinda of got that's, hot that's three right. in that game. Yeah, and they and they kinda of came back. But again, they haven't really done that against really good teams. So unless you start seeing that when they're playing these playoff level teams, if if they get a bigger lead in those games and they start blowing them, then I think really have a problem. I just think it's a lack of focus. Uh like we said, and I think that's something that i think coaching can improve but as long as they're winning them i'm not going to get on too bad
0: Yeah.
1: yeah the the perimeter defense is is scary to me because if you look at the west and just the way that the teams are built in the west denver has the highest three-point percentage out of any team in the league right now they're shooting close to 40 percent from three you got denver that can shoot the ball well from three Phoenix is going to be like they're struggling right now, but I I think that they're a team that when they're healthy, they're going to be a threat. Even though they they look bad, there's a lot of just funky stuff going on there. But Phoenix can shoot the three. Everybody knows Golden State can shoot the three. Portland is a good three-point shooting team. And these are teams, and, and I didn't even mention Dallas, but these are the teams that you're looking at facing in the Western Conference to in order to get to the finals. And then when you get to the finals, are you going to see Brooklyn who is the second best three-pointing shoot, three-point shooting team in the league? Are you going to face Philly? their top five. Are you going to face Boston? They're top 10. So figuring out how to defend that three-point line is going to be crucial for this team. They're the best defense in basketball right now, but you cannot argue that they're, that they're good on the perimeter. They're just not, um, I want to go – oh, I didn't – I meant to write it down. I got distracted. And I, I Candice made a point. And I was going to ask her about it, and now I'm having a brain fart. So I, maybe it will pop back up for me later. I do want it to we, – we talked about this a little bit kind of in messaging, Um, and we talk about the evolution of this team and what, what has to happen. We want to see growth. We talked about uh, – Isaac said he feels like they need more shooting in order to – to get to that next level in order to to win the championship. And I agree with him whenever it comes to that, but I think you have to have growth from everywhere. Right. And, and, and that also includes coaching. So Candace, I'm gonna let you lead with this one, because I know that there's, <laughs> there have been some things that have kind of frustrated you with, with Taylor Jenkins. And listen, it's, we're, we're on the, 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 Grizzlies are in first, right. And this is a Grizzlies podcast. We're not all about beating the team over the head, but the, they're not above criticism. Yeah, they're they're tied for first in the West, but there's still things that they need to work on. And I think that where they're at right now is probably better than where they were at last season at this time. And there's still some guys. I think honestly, they're they're tied for first in the West, and you still have some guys that that are not even close to clicking on all cylinders. We have seen a shell of Zaire Williams. I don't feel like he's got his legs under him. He just he looks like a deer in the headlights sometimes out there. So I, I think there's a lot of ways that they can go up. But I want to talk about the coaching specifically and what you have liked and or disliked from from Taylor Jenkins this year.
0: Yeah, it's for for me. I, I've been a little disappointed in, in Jenkins. I, I'll just be honest. I haven't seen too much improvement from him uh like today for example I thought there were a couple times where it would have been good for him to challenge and he did not challenge which I know was an ongoing issue and and, and we've seen him get better with that sometimes so I'm not going to harp on that one but the number one thing to me is just again the half court offense which they said was a point of emphasis in the offseason but I just don't see it I, I don't see the effort uh like I don't see more sets being run I I I just don't see that, and I also don't see any improvement when it comes to defending the three. I think that's the number one thing. There's just a lot of things I feel like that's being left on the table, Um, and one thing that we haven't talked about that I've sort of talked about on Twitter is I don't understand why Santi Aldama and Jaron Jackson Jr. haven't played a single minute together. I, I don't understand that there's so much versatility in that and that you might need that in the playoffs. Even if you're concerned about rebounding, Which I think is the only logical concern I can think about.
1: No, that's not even logical. That's it's it's
0: not. It's not. Play bad team.
1: Look at what Jaren's been doing
0: on the
2: boards. Yeah, yeah, he's been much better on the boards this year.
1: The like Jaren has added muscle. And he looks freaking swole this year. And and I think that that muscle has allowed him to be a better rebounder. And to me, that narrative is completely busted. And when Santi was starting, he was rebounding just fine. So I, I don't even think that you can give logic to that argument, but go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: It's one argument I've heard. It's not a bad one on paper, but I just, even if that's the case, play a bad rebounding team, try it out on one of these, but try it out against the Hornets. You know what I mean? Like try try it out against a team that, that you probably would, they wouldn't be able to hurt you with it, right? There are games and opportunities where you can do that type of thing. And the fact that it hasn't even been explored and it could very well be your most, uh, I'd say explosive or versatile option in the playoffs it's just a concern for me. Like, I, I just feel like there's just been a regression there. Maybe I'm alone in that. But I just, I can't really point to many things that really show improvement. To be honest, I have a hard time thinking about what what he's really improved in. Now, I will say he let Jaron come back and play through the foul. It took him a long time to get to that. But it seems like these past few games, that's gotten better. But that's, that's about it. And even that's to be determined.
2: I think for, for me, if, I had to put a negative on Taylor Jenkins. It's something that, and I don't know if this is something that he improve on. I'm starting to think it's just kind of him and the way he coaches. He doesn't do a lot of coaching by field. Like he's still kind of a guy that just, there's a certain script that he kind of sticks to. And even when the game might dictate something different, differently, a lot of times he just kind of still sticks with what, what he's always done. Like he doesn't do, and I hate to say that he doesn't make adjustments because there's been times where we've seen him make adjustments and it worked, but he's kind of stubborn when it comes to that. Like he's still basically, he has a ten man rotation. He kind of the same time these guys come in, he does this, he does pretty much. I mean, you're kind of surprised when he does something different. Like I mean, there was one game and I remember missing Candace. I was like, oh, well, he's going to keep John Star Josh out there in the fourth quarter, which is something that he hardly ever does. And so – it kind of stands out when he does it because he's just a guy that he doesn't really coach by field. I mean, and I think that might just be the way that he is and he's going to remain that way. Um, And I would like to kind of see him make a little bit more when it comes to in-game adjustments, a little bit more. And you don't, you don't see a lot of that with him.
1: So my question, I, I agree with the, the Jaren and, and santi lineup i i i want to see that i i was talking to somebody about that on like having a conversation about it and i would love to see that lineup but how much of it is strategy how how much, do you think that there is any strategy to okay these guys are running together in practice they're playing well together in practice maybe they are are killing it together in practice, but we're holding that until we get into the playoffs. Emphasis has been on the half court. They, they go out, they make moves, they get guys that can shoot the ball, they can play make to try and open up the half court offense for this team. And then, okay, we know we can win games doing this in the regular season, maybe this is a secret weapon that we're going to use whenever we get to the playoffs of these two guys playing together. And I know that's kind of risky, right? Because you, you don't know how it's going to work whenever it gets down to, it. you don't know how, if you don't play together any actual minutes on the floor, how's it going to work whenever you get to the playoffs? But maybe there's just a level of confidence because this team has an insane level of chemistry and that goes from one to 15 and, and you know, you can even include all of the coaching staff in that. Do you think that maybe that is why we're not seeing some of the, maybe not the adjustments. Like I agree with you. He's very methodical. Yeah. You, you can, you can almost like his rotation.
2: Yeah. yeah. You know what it's going to be like, you can you almost can watch. Say it. It. yeah,
1: the, the, the opposing team can go on a crazy run and it's like, okay, bring one of the stars back in to slow this down, to stop it. And and he doesn't. He just lets yeah, it. Yeah, he just like, keeps it
2: with the same script.
1: And so it's like, man, you could have put that game away and let your stars get some rest if you would have just brought them in a couple minutes early instead of letting them rest their normal rotation. And so I, I get it. I, I agree with that. I see that a lot. But some of the, the more – some of the lineups, some of the, the sets and some of the stuff that Candace was talking about – I wonder how much of that is going to be, yeah, this is regular season. You want to see them run different things, but can you show your entire hand during the regular season or do you want to keep some stuff kind of you know, close to the cuff so everybody doesn't have your full playbook?
2: But I was going to say with Sonny and Jared, I was just sitting there thinking maybe he feels like, and even though it happens, even with Steven Adams when they're playing together, maybe he feels like Jaren would be more get, pick up more fouls in those situations because he's kind of the guy that between those two that's gonna have to pick up the toughest defensive assignment and go go up against the bigger guy probably in that situation and he feels like that could be promote more fouls even though we've seen times where Jared has gotten fouls anyway I don't know that, that's strange that we haven't seen that I didn't realize that they had hadn't played a single minute together that was kind of surprising to me uh, when I'm thinking back on it I know I can't remember that but I hadn't. That wasn't at the forefront of my mind. That's a interesting question uh, because I, I that would be super intriguing. Uh, those guys on the floor together. I think I like some of the things that that would bring to the table. I'm I'm surprised that they haven't haven't used it at all. But I, like I said, I hadn't realized that. But maybe that could be one of the reasons. I don't I don't know. It, it is strange though.
1: Yeah, and obviously you know it, it's speculation as to why they have or haven't played together. I don't know that anybody has asked Taylor Jenkins about it, and I don't know that even if you do ask him about it, that you're going to get a true answer. I think it's you know it's just going to be coach speak, and I feel like he would just play it off as, "Oh, oh, they haven't played together. I didn't know that." And yeah, it's he he does a lot of the coach speak, and I you know I think probably most coaches are going to be that way, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Do you have any concerns? I talked about Zaire a little bit and the the way that he, I said deer in the headlights, it's not like he's lost out there, but he's not found a really good rhythm on the offensive end. He's had a couple games kind of sporadically where he's looked decent, but he's shooting man. God awful from the three. It's like, it was as low as like 17% I think it's climbed some now because, you know, from what well, was it, like 9% at one point. But, you know, you get 9%, 17%. There's nowhere to go but up from there. Is that a concern for you moving forward? well, I lose was Isaac?
2: Well, I was going to let Kenneth Cand- answer. What, 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 what was the question? I was, like, looking at my notes here. Uh, What's
1: the question? Oh, yeah. So I I was talking about Zaire. I think Candace, is she's still working through. She's having some technical difficulties. We're not just muting her and not letting her talk. She's trying to figure it out. So (laughs) she'll be back with us, hopefully. If not, Isaac and I can hold it down. I was talking about Zaire and his uh, what seems like an inability to shoot the three this year. He's shooting 26% from three.
2: Yeah, that's up from what it was. I, I,
1: I think that. I think that he's better than that, right? He don't, <coughs> excuse me. He only shot thirty-one percent from three last year, but it just feels like he's he's a better shooter than that. Do you think that's the case? You think we're going to see him kind of find it, put it together? Because if you look at, he's only played seventeen games this season, and he he's down. His points are down. His rebounds are up. Um, assists are about the same. But his percentages are just bad. You know, field goal percent is forty four point one. Last year he was at forty five percent. He shot thirty one and thirty one and a half percent from three last year. He's shooting twenty six percent. His, you know, he, he hadn't shot many free throws, but he's shooting ninety percent from the free throw line. So the stroke is there, but in seventeen games, has he had enough time to get his legs under him?
2: Man, was I hear from me what I see? I, I think he's just struggling to find his role. Uh because this team is is different than it was last year. Because I mean you have guys now, Santi Aldama's another guy who stepped in and, and, and is really playing well. You have you've had David Roddy at times who's been a, a, a pretty big factor in the rotation. And it just seems like to me that he just doesn't have his legs on him. He's just not sure of what his minutes are gonna be, what what his role is. And I think that's just has him struggling. We've seen a couple of good games that he's had. Then other games he doesn't play really well. I just think he's in his head trying to trying to figure it out. Uh, because I, I think he it was a game where he played he struggled. Um, uh, and then he played really well the next game. And they talked to him, and he was saying that he and I think they replaced him with Roddy. I want to say in the rotation. Uh, that the game before because he wasn't playing well. I think I think he's thinking about that stuff. I think he knew felt like they were counting on him to have this big role coming in this season. Then he got hurt and hadn't really been there. And I think he's coming back and really wants to to kind of show that he's taking that leap. But I just think it's kind of it's in his head right now. And he's just not sure where he fits uh, on his role. Cause he was an integral piece by the end of last season. And it just kind of things have kind of shifted again. Roddy has kind of had taken that role. Now he's really, they sent him down to the G league. I'm not sure what's going on with that. I was kind of surprised to, to see that earlier today, but I think that's what it is. I think he's a much better player than that. I think, once he gets comfortable, you hope he can sell in, uh, a land, sell into his his role uh, this season. He'll be more comfortable and, and start knocking down more shots. But to me, I just think it's a comfortability factor and the fact that he just he's not as sure of his role as he was at the end of last season.
1: So, do you think they're gonna pry open? Let me let me correct something. We got it wrong. Jaron and and Santi have been on the floor together. But it's been a total of fifteen possessions, so it's it's very very small amount um, that that they have been on the floor together. So that we, we were wrong on that. I apologize. I I thought that that was accurate as well. I I don't remember them. I, I couldn't tell you what game this was in. But yeah, was I was like, gonna say, was yeah, that garbage
0: it, time or something? Because I'm cleaning the glass when I looked it up last. They said zero possessions.
1: Yeah, I mean it shows it on here. Fifteen possessions. I mean, they're plus 31.7 in those 15 possessions. So, hey, wow. play, play that lineup all the time. But, yeah, it's <laughs> – yeah, I thought it was zero. I don't remember ever seeing them out there. Yeah, either.
2: when, I, when I, had, I thought back, like, when you guys first said that, I didn't hadn't thought about it when you said it. I can't remember them ever playing on the floor together. But I think that kind of goes back to the point that I made about adjustment. I think he sees Santi Aldama as Jared's direct backup, and that's it. Like he's his backup, and he's not he's not gonna play them together. He's because they just he's not a guy that tries a lot of different things most of the time. Like the things that he does, he does them every game, and I think that's kind of another example of that. Uh, I mean, he just doesn't change much. Uh, but I, but again, I think think that would be super intriguing to see those guys on the floor because uh, both of those guys can stretch the floor, and you, you thought Sonny, I like even at, at his peak, I, I didn't think Sonny would be a guy that was going to give you a lot at the rim, give you a lot inside, give you a lot defensively. And, I mean, he's just blown past that. I mean, he's doing things on both ends of the floor. He's getting inside. He's dunking. He's rebounding. And I I thought he'd be a guy that projects as a shooter, that could possibly give you some three-point shooting um, at 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 his ceiling. But I didn't think we'd see some of the things we're seeing now. So they could definitely play on the floor together. And their rebounding thing is not an issue. I think Jared has shown that he can rebound a basketball. Even last year, you remember that stretch where – Steven Adams was out and he was averaging double digit rebounds their entire stretch. And he kind of said in a walk-off interview that d- d- when he's coached not to rebound, basically that Taylor Jenkins says when let Steven Adams clean up the boards and you guys just get to go, just run, run down the floor. And that without Steven Adams in there, it's more of his job to go in and get those rebounds. And he was doing it then and we've seen him doing it this year. So I don't think it's that Jaron can't rebound. I think it's kind of when Steven Adams in there, he just kind of let Steven Adams clean the glass and he, Gets runs back up the floor. I think that's kind of what we're seeing. So the rebounding thing that doesn't fly. Uh, that's not a reason not to play those guys together.
0: Jared. Speaking of Jerry, I I just want to I just want to give give him his flowers. I give him his flowers every every chance I get because he's really grown tremendously this season, and and I really think you can see more growth from him. I think you're going to see if Taylor Jenkins will give him the opportunities for him to be able to play through fouls. I think it's gonna take some practice. So I hope Teledingus continues to give him those opportunities, but you could just see his strength. You can just see his mindset, his aggressiveness his, his aggressiveness has changed so much. And it could help the Grizzlies a ton in the half court if they would just give him more touches. Man, Jaron is absolute I mean, he could easily get you twenty five a night. Um if they were to just kind of set him up that way and make an intentional point. And that, that's not where Jaron was last year. I mean, he was he was a beast defensively. But you're seeing that, and you're seeing him really put all all the aspects of that you hope Jaron could be together this year for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a question back to you here, but I just want I want to say this about Jaron, and then um, while you were having the technical difficulties, I don't know how much you heard that what we were talking about, but there's something specifically I want to come back to you for. Jaron's played 27 games this season, and the 27 games that he's played. In eleven out of those twenty-seven games, he's he's had eight or more rebounds in eleven of the twenty-seven, and there are a lot of six, seven, six, seven, six, seven. So he he's rebounding the ball way way better at a much better rate than what he had been previously, and all of his numbers are up. He's he's attacking, he's getting to the rim a lot more, he's doing a lot of things that we as fans were watching and and we're like. Man, he's a seven footer. Why is he not doing this? And I, I, I feel like there had to be something that clicked for him. Like, oh, I can do this. And then once he realized that he can do it, he's actually, you know, getting out there and putting it into the game. But we we were talking about Taylor Jenkins when you started having technical difficulties, and I tossed this to Isaac. I asked him if he thought that any of it was strategy. The, the Aldama lineups and the different sets and stuff like that, I know you want to get reps on different things, but do you want to show your full hand in the regular season? Do you want to expose your entire playbook in the regular season? Do you feel like he has anything kind of up his sleeve that we're going to see it in the playoffs that we're not really seeing here during the regular
0: season? Well, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. Uh, but I, I will say this: I, I think there's a lot to be said for chemistry, uh, at least between those two guys. So I'm not saying you gotta overdo it, but I think they gotta get enough reps in to be comfortable with some of the things that they could do. And there are there, because there are so many wrinkles that you could do with just that lineup. Just getting those guys on the court, even if you didn't run any particular set, so you didn't do anything else, you just put those guys on the court and said go play. Which sometimes Taylor Jenkins does. I feel I, I think it would be fine. You don't you don't have to you know, reveal everything, I mean, obviously you're the, the the opposing team's is going to know your personnel. So I'm, I'm sure that it's not going to be a huge surprise to them if you see those two guys together, especially because in the playoffs, Jaren's probably going to play more center. So to not play those guys at all for the sake of a huge surprise in the playoffs, just I, I don't think that would – I think you lose more than you gain from it, it like I said, especially because it is so versatile that there's a lot you can catch teams off guard regardless. With those yeah, two, yeah. maybe with other things, other lineups, it's different. But
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I wanted to, to, to give Jaron his flowers as well. We haven't really been on here since Jaron came back much. Uh, but I think the biggest difference with him this year versus what we saw last year, last year, and, and I've implored this uh, for a long time, and shout out to my guy, Music. I, I can't remember what his name is. His name is Twitter handles Music. He's always talking about this after every game. Is anybody asking why they're not getting the ball to Jared inside? One thing, the difference, big difference this year, is last year was a lot of outside in with Jaron. This year has been more inside out, and I think that's what you want to see with him. This this year, when he gets the basketball, he, there's no hesitancy. He's just getting putting his head, getting the ball, putting his head down, going to the rim. And you didn't hardly see that at all last year. He was just kind of settling for threes last year, and he's still knocking down the threes. And you want that, but you want him. You want to see the work that he's doing inside, and he's really made an emphasis to do that this year and before that wasn't the case, you're also seeing a lot more chemistry between him and ja. Um, I've always felt like there was a lot more to unlock there. And I think you are seeing it more and more this year, like more than we've ever seen it. And I think that's a really positive development for this team. Cause I mean, I think there's just so much that those guys can do together and the pick and roll pick and pop. I mean, it, it's just a perfect kind of pairing. And for some reason in the years past, we just haven't seen all that a lot. A lot of it had to do with Jaron being injured and, just not having a lot of time in the court together. But this year, I think, especially here lately, I think we're seeing a lot lot more there. You're seeing the lobs up to Jaron, and those are things that you weren't seeing in the past. So I'm super excited about what what Jaron's doing because I think he's finally realized, David kind of hit it on this, I think he's realized that there's really nobody out there that can stop me and get to the basket. And you see it. I mean, he just goes to the basket just at will almost on these guys, and he scores at a really high rate uh, when he does that because he's a unicorn. They, they call him that, and that wasn't, uh, a mistake when they call him that. He does a lot of things that guys just at that size can't do. And I think he's finally realized on the offensive end that he can be aggressive and he can finish. And, and I just love what I'm seeing from him. I feel like his impact, especially when you add to what he's doing on the defensive end, the Black Panther stuff and how crazy he's been on that end. I feel like Jaren's should be an all-star. I know he's missed time, but you have a team that's in first place in the West uh, are tied for first place. That team to me should have two all-stars and I'm really, man, campaigning for Jerry to get in there, man. I think, think he deserves it. I know missing those games is going to hurt him. But just the impact he's had, if they're looking at more than just the box score, if you see the impact that he has on his team, even especially on the defensive end, and even more and more on the offensive end, time goes on, man. He deserves to be in there. You've had guys like uh, Draymond Green been an all-star. Jerry Jackson Jr. is an all-star. There's no question in my mind.
0: Yeah, I was just I was just about to say, give him Rudy Gobert bear spot from last year. <laughs> exactly. of <laughs> just stick him in right there. It'll be all right. But but yeah, to your point, uh, I do see a little bit more developing chemistry-wise. That that lob that lob wrinkle, I like that a lot. I yeah. really like to see more with the pip and the uh the pick and roll from them. I think they're still trying to figure that out. I think Jaren's still trying to figure out how job wants screens. When they do that, sometimes you still see a little awkwardness there. But at least they're trying it from time to time. You know, it's not as often as I would like it to be. But maybe it's like, like Dave, when you said, maybe they're saving that more for the offseason, I mean, more for the postseason, and they're kind of sprinkling it in just to work through it. And, and maybe as they face more competitive competition, and maybe they'll be forced to. That'd be something I'd love to see as well as they get down the stretch in March and April.
1: So the difference, I was just kind of, I was combing through stats while you guys were talking. Within Jaren's, I, I pulled up his shot chart. Last year, his the percentage of his shots less than ten from, from the rim it was fifty two point five percent. This year's it at, at almost sixty two. It's sixty one point five, and so he, he's still yeah he's still shooting threes. His three point attempts are down. He was averaging five point one attempts last year. He's only shooting four threes this year, so he, he's down one full attempt, but he's also up six percent. So I'll take one less one less three point attempt for six six percentage points higher there, there's a lot of stuff to be happy about with him I think not just all, like yeah he should be an all-star but what, what about like all defensive team yeah he's going to be on that we know that he's going to be on that is he going to be defensive player of the year he should be but how much of an argument are you making for Dylan Brooks and, and that not even just this play tonight you look at what he's been able to do against some of the guys that have been playing really, really good basketball this year. And it's it's nuts. You look at shot attempts when Dylan Brooks is their defender. There's a lot of secondary stats, like advanced metrics. And it, it just it blows my mind that you're not seeing Dylan Brooks get all defensive team. There's not, outside of Memphis, I don't see anybody else mention it.
0: Well, I've seen some stuff, especially early on, because, you know, actually before even Jaron came back, Dylan was on that initial defensive player of the year uh, ladder that I think NBA Central put out a while back, but that was a while ago. So it's died down a little bit since, especially since the noise for Jaron Jackson Jr. for defensive player of the year has kind of taken over the conversation. You've seen him dip down just a little bit. Uh, I think part of it is maybe he's probably got to play more games on a bigger stage you know they do have more national games coming up hopefully that may help things a little bit and he's got to be on in those games for sure i don't think the christmas game did him any favors to be honest um, but i i'd make an argument more for him on all all defensive team i don't feel like he's defensive player of the year especially because the grizzlies still had a poor defense before jaron came back i think that's the biggest argument for jaron mm-hmm. over dylan though dylan has been a huge factor defensively as well
2: yeah, speaking of that NBA ladder, Jared is now number one uh, as, as a couple of days ago uh, on the Defensive Player of the Year ladder, which to me, I don't even think there's any question. It's still like when you talk to talk to fans of other fan bases, they act like it's crazy that you would mention Jared as an all-star Defensive Player of the Year, but they just don't watch the game and don't understand uh, the impact that he has on the force. Forrest Dillon, I think he should definitely be on all-defensive team. Uh, I, you hear a lot of people talking about OG up in Toronto, and, and and there's been kind of some talk just among fans about possibly the Grizzlies trying to go out and make a move for OG and saying that he's better than Dylan. I actually think Dylan is a better overall player. Some people might think I'm crazy, but I think on both ends of the floor, I would take Dylan. Dylan, just the, the ability to guard just one through four. I mean, you saw, like, the numbers are even just – let's take Zion Williamson this year. When he goes against Dylan, his numbers are worse than they are against anybody that he goes up against. And you're talking about a guy that's two hundred and seventy five, two hundred and eighty pounds. And you talking about Dylan kind of locking him up. I mean, you could put Dylan anywhere, not just talking about the play tonight, man. We just see this time and time again. Go back to the playoffs last year. He's guarding, call Anthony Towns. I mean, he's just doing all kinds of stuff out there. And there's not a lot of guys that bring that kind of versatility. So I definitely think he should be in the conversation he definitely there's no question he to be on one of all defensive teams i don't know if he should be defensive player of the year usually and it, it it's harder we saw um um in, in, in phoenix uh bridges win it uh before but it's usually it's usually gonna be big man like it it's harder for for guards and, and wings to win it uh but it's i think i think Der- jared should be it i mean just the impact that he's has i mean it's just a crazy I mean if, if what is he gonna when he plays enough games uh to to get in there he'll, he'll be in there but I think uh, as far as Dylan is concerned I think he's tremendous there's not a lot of guys on the wing I'm, I'm trying to think there's a short list of guys that I would even put in the same stratosphere with him as far as it's one-on-one defense I mean he's just a monster um and I, I don't think I'm, I'm with David I don't think he gets the credit he deserves around the league I think people here in Memphis some some people appreciate him there's still some Haters out there, I don't care what he does because of what they don't like that he does on the offensive end. But for his one-on-one perimeter defense, man, if you put me in a foxhole, tell me I need a, a guy to guard with me that on the perimeter one-on-one. Dylan Brooks is going to be on my on
0: my short list. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I, I do see the the national recognition growing a little bit, but it's slow. It's a, it's a slow cook, and I think it's going to take a while for people to really recognize what Dylan truly does for the team.
2: I think a lot of it has to do
0: with. I think
2: a, I think a lot of it has to do with people just not liking him. I think I yeah. think, and, I, and people probably laugh about that, but I think that does have an impact. I think even, and this is kind of our subject with John Morant, you see how his numbers for the all-star voting has kind of gone down from where they were last year. I really do think a lot of that has to do with him being is not as well liked as he was last year at this time. I think a lot of people outside of Memphis don't like him. And I really do think that kind of has an impact with these type of things. I know it shouldn't, but I, I think it does.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I'm I agree with that. But I, I was not necessarily making a case for Dylan as defensive player of the year. Yeah, you talk about so defensive, to, all defensive yeah, Like all defensive teams. Yeah. 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 They the Grizzlies have two guys that deserve to be on the all defensive team. Yep. And you can one hundred percent make a case that both of those guys should be first team all defense. Is it gonna happen? I don't know. I'm confident in saying that if you put Dylan Brooks in Boston and he's playing this same type of defense for the Celtics, then the national media is falling all over themselves self about how yep. much impact he's making. If you take him and you put him on golden state and he's being this impactful on the defensive end of the floor, same thing. It's the market. And we understand that we know that Memphis is a small market, but I just want to see these guys get the recognition that they deserve because Dylan Brooks works his butt off and, you know, I don't think anybody watches any more film than him. You can, he was talking through the, the final play with fish on Bally there and what, uh, what Garland was trying to do and he, and he stuck right with him. But a lot of times, He's guarding these guys, and he doesn't have to guess what they're going to do because he's watched so much film, he knows what they're going to do, and so he's anticipating it. I saw a stat the other day where guys were taking, like, it was something like four and a half, three and a half, or four-and-a-half less shots per game when Dylan Brooks is their defender. So it's he's not just making them shoot lower percentages they're taking less attempts because he's playing them that physical. And, and, you know, there's a lot of times he's denying the ball and keeping the ball out of their hands. So I love it. I love what Jaren's able to do. I love what Dylan's able to do. I, I love the fact that because of those two guys and what they were able to do on the defensive end tonight, that's a huge reason as to why the Grizzlies won this game. Um does John ja Morant have and we'll close with this. I don't even know what time we started recording. We might be like an hour and a half into it at this point. If you guys are ready to wrap it up, we can. But I, I had one more question and then I think we can probably end on this because this will take a little bit of time. Is John ja Morant in the MVP conversation in your opinion?
0: No, I don't think so. I think it's close, but depends on how far that, down that ladder you want to count in the conversation. I think I think Let's maybe say he's in the top conversation. No is he
1: top five for you.
0: No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, I think for me, he's got to just be more efficient. Um, I, I think he get those numbers up a little bit more just by shooting the floater a little bit more. Because this is the league this year where a lot of people should get there know over thirty points per game. It's not easy to keep up with, but that's that sort of hurts his case. But also his his true shooting has gone down. His three point shooting has gone down, and so I think he had a strong case earlier in the year. But he had, he had sort of a slump there about a month and a half shooting-wise where he was just kind of shooting terribly. And he, he seems to be kind of coming back from that. But I think you have to rectify those efficiency numbers before we talk about that.
2: And for, for me, he he's not. Uh, like, I mean, in, in reality, he's not. But I'm not so sure that he should be. I mean, you're talking about a team that's the best player on the team that's number one in the West, uh, second-best record in the league, uh, Tied with Denver behind Boston, I think if you were you're talking about that player in a big market, I think they, with the same numbers, I think nationally he'd be in that conversation more than probably what Ja is right now. I, I still think the market plays a part in that, and because I mean you even see what he's doing and see he's I think the last with the last, and this is not necessarily apples to apples, but go back to the All Star voting, he's 16th. And you see the numbers that he's putting up. He's 16 overall in all-star voting. And you see the numbers that he's putting up. And I know that's the, the fan vote, but I, I still think a lot of this stuff is a popularity contest. Um, and he, he's, probably, he's probably in the top 10 if you look at the ladder, but he's probably 9 of 10. And I think he should be a little bit higher than that just because of where the Grizzlies are and the success they've had. I mean, you see games like that Denver game where nobody could, was doing anything and he just, took over the game and almost single-handedly kind of broke the team back and was able to almost win the game by himself. I just think he probably doesn't get the same accolades that some of these other teams got just because of a market. I mean, I just still think there's a bias there. But, I mean, I'm not really concerned about individual awards. I mean, if they win a chip, man, that's what I'm where I'm trying to get. Like like I said, if, if he doesn't win MVP but win a championship, man, I'll take that eight days a week.
0: Yeah, well I I say part of it is the market, but I just think the field is better. I, I think last year with Kevin Durant getting uh injured, that, that sort of gave Josh some momentum. Uh and, and now okay, well K D is injured again, but it's not as long. It's not as long of an injury. And I just think, you know, the way Lucas playing, the way uh Yoke is playing, and I just I just think there's a I think the field is just a little bit more challenging to get through overall. Um and I, I think there was things for him in the MVP race. I have seen him around seven, eight. I've seen that um, as as of late because of the success of the Grizzlies, but but another thing that I that I just noticed too, and I don't know, I mean I guess we're we're far along enough to the season for it to be a pattern is uh, I haven't seen much fourth quarter job, uh, but there was a lot of fourth quarter job last year, a lot of big moments where he, he would, yeah he he brought them on a comeback, but it led to a win uh this year not so much sometimes he actually plays worse in the fourth quarter and that's in the past it's been because the Grizzlies were injured and I think he exerted a lot of energy and so he was playing tired I get all that but but it hasn't been the case I mean even tonight I mean he had an opportunity for the game winning shot and it was ultimately Steven Adams who had to put back um and got him the shot because he would have missed it and Desmond seems to be more of the closer this year so I think it's another reason why it makes it hard to to, to give a strong argument for MVP but you, you this just mentioned
1: you just mentioned the guy whose team is fifth in the West. Yeah, that's what I was over my, I
2: was going to make. Yeah, I and mean so, I know Luca's averaging thirty, but yeah, go ahead, same.
1: Mike, I, I'm, I respect Luca and his abilities, and there's absolutely no doubt about it that he's one of the best players in the game right now. But to me, if they're going to give the MVP to somebody. I think it's got to be – you have to be one of the top two teams in your conference. I don't think that a team – and, you know, we're 46, 47 games into the season, so there's a lot of basketball left to be played, and maybe maybe Dallas ends up being higher up as far as seeding. But I just have a hard time giving MVP to a guy – I say that, Jokic, like with Denver. Yeah, I was about to say, man, Jokic. that Dallas team they're putting that together yeah he's he's got guys around him that can play and yeah. so yeah it, it's yeah i think there's other guys <laughs> that i would give the mvp to over luka and and i get you know you look at the popcorn numbers but i just this is going to be controversial but i don't even care i don't think that luka doncic makes his teammates better
2: i don't i, 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 I don't i don't he, he, I, he yeah. does i get that
1: he does not trust his teammates. No. And so he is not – there are times when I watch him do too much on his own. And is it because the quality of teammates are not there that he, he he shouldn't trust them? Maybe you can make that argument. But I will say this. If he doesn't get past that, there's no way he ever wins a championship. Luka, Luka Doncic is a, another Carmelo Anthony if he doesn't get past the, I can't trust my
2: teammates. Yeah, man. I've talked to some some Dallas people, and you kind of hear some players' comments. I, I don't, I don't think he's a great teammate. I mean, if you watch the game, he's pissed off the entire game. Every time his teammates make a mistake, he's yelling at them, and he's face frowned up. I mean, he's he seems like he's miserable <laughs> every game. If you watch him, watch him play, like he doesn't seem to want to play with those guys, and you're just not gonna win at a super high level like that. And I think, to David's point, I think a lot of times he just does a lot of – his usage is even higher than it should be because he just doesn't trust those guys. He just decides, well, I'm just going to do this myself because I don't trust you to make a play when it's time to make a play. And, and it, it's just – I don't know what they're going to do about that situation. I, I think they're going to probably they're, – they're, I, I think if any team makes a move at the deadline, if I had to bet on a team right now, I think they do something at the deadline. I think Dallas is probably – number one on that list but yeah I I agree with David I I don't necessarily think he makes his teammates better he puts up big time numbers and he's so good that at times he can win games on his own but they're in fifth place and I just I, I I take winning as far as your your team overall success really high when I go with MVP and that's why if I think if Lucas in that conversation you got a team that's four spots higher I think Ja has to be in that conversation too I mean Lucas What is he averaging? 32 job. What is Josh averaging? 26, 27. 27. I think, yeah, I just, with five points different, you were team four spots higher. I just think Josh should be in that conversation as well. People look at MVP a lot differently. Like people have different definitions of what MVP means, who should be the MVP. So I I can't argue with anybody's opinion on on that. But I think to me, I I just, I I know that his numbers are just so great that he has to to be in the conversation. But I don't think I weigh that as high as some other people might.
0: Yeah, it's just hard to say that you know get the fifth the fifth seed thing with Yoki being the back to back MVP. You know, like yeah. I, I I do get you, and in 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 a, in a nutshell, I'd be with you. But if there wasn't already such a strong precedent for that, I'd say you're right. But there's such a strong precedent for that that I mean, I, I think that's what it's gonna come down to because Embiid had the higher seed, right? I mean, between him and Yoke, Yoke still wanted so. I think it's going to come down to the stats. It's going to come down to the advanced metrics. And that's just not going to be job. Ja. Um, give I me, give me a tip he, though. Give me a tip. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, and I that's about that that's the Final same. MVP. Like I,
1: I, I would love it if he was, if he was higher in the conversation. Like, I I don't think that, uh, you know, like there's enough other guys that are, that are doing very well that you can make the argument. And, and I'm completely fine that you want to put Luca in the conversation, the Numbers that he's putting up, you have to put him in the conversation. But just like Isaac was talking about, th- the definition of MVP is very loose, like it- it's um, based off of whoever's making that call. And so, yeah, w- when a guy is doing what Luka is doing, you're going to have him in there. But to go going back to the Jokic thing, if you pull Jokic off of that team, whenever you had, you know, um, uh, Michael Porter Jr. was out, Jamal Murray was out, so this was Jokic with a a bench unit still staying in the playoffs, and I just I don't feel like Luca is carrying that much weight because the rest of his lineup is healthy. And anyway, it's not it's not a Maverick show. We're not going to keep beating it over the head, but yeah, I, there's definitely. I don't think the seeding, as much as I would want the seeding to make a difference in who gets the MVP, there's definitely you know history of guys being lower seeds and getting the MVP. So Anyway, it's been a great show. I have absolutely no idea how long we've been going, but we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I'll give you guys one more opportunity. You got anything that you want to say before we get out of here?
2: Yeah, I got one thing. Um, I've been tracking every, every time the Grizzlies have been – in range of doing this in years past, I've always kind of tracked it, and they never—they've gotten close, but they've never quite gotten there. Like, I, and I and I started this—I can't remember how many games ago—but um, I said the Grizzlies—I I, tracked to see if they can get 40 wins before the All Star break, and I, I've done this in years past. I think they've gotten to 37, 38, but they've never quite gotten to 40. And I and I started this—I think it would—they they would have to go 15 and six when I started this to get the 38 wins. Um, and then, I said, okay, at that time I said, okay, it would take 17 and four to get the 40 for the break. And I was like, that's probably too much to ask. I mean, 17 to four, you went 17 or 21. That's a pretty tall task. So uh, I put the goal at 38, but now all they'd have to do to get the 40 is nine and four. And I think that's extremely doable. Uh, and that's amazing for you to have 40 wins at the all-star break. I mean, there's, that's like a playoff amount of wins. There have been times where teams have made the playoffs with 40 or 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 41 wins. So I think that's an amazing mark. So I've kind of been tracking that. So as of right now, they're lined to go 9-4. and four. Uh, They got 13 games up for the, for the All-Star break, go 9-4 and four to win 40. And another thing is I've kind of been campaigning for Taylor Jenkins for the for the, for the All-Star coach. I think that would be tremendous for this team. Um, I think for a small market to have him on that stage, I think would be tremendous. I also think it can't hurt as far as you thinking down a lot and, and possible future free agency. Some of those guys might get to talk with some of those guys. They might like it's coaching style. So I think that I just think it'll be a big time positive in order for that to happen. Grizzlies got to be in first place by February 5th. I think that's the date where the cut off, and it's going to be looks like as of right now unless something changes tremendously. It's going to be between Taylor Jenkins and Michael Malone of Denver. Um, Denver is actually down right now to the Timberwolves. So who do I have to call to get the Denver to, to get a Denver loss, man? It, back and forth, man. This has been going on way too long, man. Nobody, none, none of these teams decide to blink, man. I hope the Timberwolves can get Denver tonight on the back to back. I think that'd be big for the Grizzlies. But like I said, I'm rambling on here. But nine and four will get them the forty for the All Star break, man. And I'm really, really pulling for for Taylor Jenkins to get that All Star nod, and the Grizzlies have to be in first place on February fifth in order for that to happen.
1: And you got anything?
0: No, man, I'm good. Just glad to be back with the crew. Um, glad man, we, back. Some well. we back. Um, so let's keep this thing rolling. Yeah. It's a parade inside my city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> we we will definitely be ready for that. I, I'm glad that we are all back together, and, and we should be able to keep it rolling here through the rest of the season. Just had li- life comes at you fast sometimes, and uh, had some stuff we had to deal with. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I am at NBA NBADWheel21.
0: Yep, you can find me on Twitter at CandiceH901. Take us out, Isaac. Yeah, man, big five-game road trip
2: uh, for the Grizzlies. I'm excited. I think this is going to be a challenging road trip. Again, man, the Grizzlies got an opportunity to break the franchise record for consecutive wins at 12 Friday night. Nasty televised game against the Lakers. Uh, got a rematch with the Suns. I'm sure they're going to be kind of ready still – still going to be missing players. I think they, they all have Cam Johnson back, but still no Devin Booker. We'll see what's going on with Chris Paul. That's on Sunday. Followed it up with a back-to-back at Sacramento, kind of a tough back-to-back there. Sacramento has been a, a pretty tough matchup for the Grizzlies this year. They've given them um, all they wanted um, in those games. They actually came in and won one of those games here. um Shout in Memphis. Mike
1: Brown. I like what yeah. he's doing there.
2: then man, yeah. rematch with the Warriors uh, coming up next Wednesday, man. I can't wait for that game to see how the Grizzlies respond Man got pumped out on on Christmas, man. I'm I'm thinking they're gonna go in there. I think they're gonna Dude, be ready this time. If
1: they if, drop a deuce on this one, man, man, oh. I, I
2: got I, I think I think they I, I got a feeling they're gonna come out ready for this one. I I, I think the Grizz is gonna win uh, this time. I don't think they you you can't do that again, man. I, that still that that still has a bad taste in my mouth from Christmas. I couldn't believe how they went in there and just got pumped, especially with you, Warriors being down players. Like you just too yeah. much talk all summer about that, man. You gonna come out like that? That was it was pretty weak, and you don't usually see this Grizzlies team come up soft like that. That's one thing that they don't do, and they, they got pumped out in that game like they really never have. Like, that's something that you don't see from them.
1: Dude, they, they remind – that game – and sorry, we, we're trying to sign out, and here we go talking again. <laughs> it's a podcast. That's what we do. They reminded me of the Cinderella team that was just happy to be there. Yeah. In that game. That's what yeah. that's what it looked like. They They did not – the 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 lights were too bright for everybody that night except for Ja.
2: Yep. Yeah, I, I yep. just think they hey, came Steve. in. They came in. They came in too hype, man. Warriors. Warriors were were up for that game, uh, like I mean because yeah, I think after that they went and lost to a whole lot, bunch of bad teams. After that, so I think they were just up for that game, um, and like they were talking their is, man. I, and I can't say anything about it because the Grizzlies came up solid. They have been talking all summer about their rematch. They couldn't wait. John was asking for that game, and they got it and came up short. So I'm really looking forward to next week, man. I got a feeling they, it's going to be a different story this time. Like all that talking they were doing, I think the Grizz might be doing a little bit of talking this time, at least we hope. Um, but they'll finish their road trip out next Friday at the Timberwolves. That's another game. Two teams that don't like each other. So it's going to be a fun, fun road trip. I'm looking forward to it. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac double underscore NBA. I-S-A-A-C double score NBA. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Glad to Glad to be back, man. Feels like it's been about a year since we've all been here on Ethos Grizzly's podcast. But you can check us out at Ethos Grizzly. Uh, when we're going to be back in full force, man, it should be good to go from from here on out. So I thank everybody for tuning in and for David, uh, for Candice. Until next time, we go. And that will conclude
1: our Sports Ethos presentation get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts That's stamps.com code program
2: you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel